This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Not a fan of being surprised by hidden fees? Well, at TD Ameritrade, they charge you just one straightforward price and give you everything you need to trade. No hidden fees, no surprises. Learn more at tdameritrade.com pricing, member SIPC. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, June 28th, and we are all things Apple today. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I've got Fool.com's Evan New on Skype. Evan, what's up? Not a lot. My wife actually started a new job this week, so that's exciting. Oh, yeah. So, so you're kind of adjusting to the new routine, making sure that everyone's where they're supposed to be and the kids are taken care of? Yeah, yeah. Sending them off to camp, and she's now back at the office, so... Yeah, things are gonna kind of normal again for me. My daily workflow. <laughs> you know what? You know what I'm excited about today, Evan. What's that? The U.S. Women's National Team is playing at 3 p.m. against France, and I've been watching a lot of these games. This might be the game of the Women's World Cup. It's a pretty big one. Well, you know me. You know I don't really follow any sports, so I'm gonna have to <laughs> pass on that one. <laughs> you'll be you'll be rooting for Team USA. I know in your heart, and I will be probably watching it at a bar. I might try to cut out of work a little bit early. Uh, sadly, this will go up just about when the game goes off, so the long-standing value of this conversation will be fairly short. Um, news cycle has been pretty active for one company in particular, one that we really like, Evan, uh, and this is Apple. We're going to cover a lot of different stories about this company today. Why don't we kick things off with a discussion of Apple Music? We got a little update on some of their subscriber numbers this week. That's right. So, this week, services chief Eddie Q disclosed that Apple Music has now hit 60 million paid subscribers. And Apple doesn't really disclose their music subscription numbers on a regular basis. Like, they don't include it on quarterly earnings necessarily. They just announce when they hit these certain milestones. So, the last update was 50 million back at the end of January when they announced earnings. So, we're talking about, you know, about 10 million subscribers in about five months. Um, and Apple Music is getting a lot of Big changes this year with iOS 13 and Mac OS Catalina. Uh, the, like we're talking about some interface improvements. They're adding some stuff like time sync lyrics. Uh, but a big one is also that they're unbundling iTunes finally on the Mac and splitting it into three different apps to better focus the the experience on these specific content categories. So it's going to become Apple Music and then podcasts and then Apple TV. And iTunes has been around for like 20 years, and so it's been getting bloated and you know, bloated over the, over that time. And uh, software chief Craig Federighi actually even joked about this earlier this month at the developer conference, saying they're going to add like a calendar to the to iTunes, add a dock to the iTunes. You know, he's just joking around. But you know, point is that it's it's about time to really split these things up because you know combining Apple Music with iTunes has always been kind of a confusing mess, where it's like your subscription catalog is right next to all the stuff you might have bought a few years back. And it's just, it's never really made a lot of sense. So it's actually a good thing that they're splitting it up. And that will probably help them grow more in the future going forward, too. Yeah, I remember when they first launched Apple Music, they were running into issues where there was like double counting in people's libraries or like things that they had bought had disappeared because they were now on the subscription model where they were streaming stuff. And so anyone that had a very delicately curated iTunes account might not have been so happy being an early adopter of Apple Music. They worked a lot of those kinks out, but I think that. That this is something that people should generally be happy about from a user experience perspective. The the big ticket thing here, though, is that subscriber number, and I think it's pretty clear at this point. Apple Music is far and away one of the big wins for them on the service side. 
Right, and he also confirmed that Apple Music is their largest first-party service, which isn't really surprising. Uh, but they, you know, they have been launching all these different services over the years, and I mean, m- most recently, News Plus, and then they're about to launch Apple Arcade, which is a gaming subscription business, and then TV Plus later this year for original video content. But you know, they've also been building up this iCloud storage business too, which they've they've said has has grown quite a bit. They've never really given really hard numbers around it. Um, but yeah, so he, he did confirm that Apple Music is the biggest, and you know, just to kind of put some of these numbers into perspective, uh, at 60 million, Apple is the number two in terms of paid music streaming. Spotify is number one, and Tencent Music is number three. So Spotify has like 100 million, uh, Tencent Music has about 28 million, and those top three companies represent roughly 70% of all paid music streaming subscriptions uh, in the world. So, I mean... Those three players are just, you know, the, the by far in a way like carry most of the weight here. Evan, you don't tweet often, but you you uh, tweeted earlier, and you had this awesome chart that you put together that breaks down the uh, the recording industry basically by revenue, and we are getting very close to a milestone of the streaming businesses overtaking uh, the majority of the revenue for the music industry, which is pretty incredible. It's been pretty quick. Right. So earlier this year, uh, Trade Group International Federation of the Phonographic Industry, or IFPI, uh, put out some figures regarding the global music industry. In, you know, and what they found was that at the end of 2018, there was a little over 250 million uh, global paid subscriptions. And separately, Goldman Sachs recently estimated that that should grow to $1.15 billion by 2030. So that's just massive upside in terms of where this market is going. But to kind of get to the number that you're referring to, their figures showed that uh, streaming was 47% of industry revenue last year compared to 2% in 2008. So that's a massive change over the course of 10 years. And I think it's pretty clear that you know paid music streaming is really you know the future of this industry and where it's going. And this industry has seen a revival because of streaming. We were seeing declining revenue in the industry for an extended period of time as people weren't buying physical versions of any content and they weren't necessarily even paying for content via iTunes because it was so easy to get music illegally. I think streaming has helped curb that because the user experience is so good. Right. And I think that people are starting to appreciate the value proposition of, you know, yeah, yeah, paying the subscription fee, but now you get access to tens of millions of songs versus just going out and buying a couple albums at a time. And I think that even though, on average, the average consumer now does spend about twice as much on music on an annual basis um, because of this shift to the stream model, but I think people are finding that it's worth it because, I mean, 60 bucks over the course, 60 more dollars over the course of the year is not like make or break for most people. Uh, but now you can actually listen to basically anything you want at any time. So I think people are really appreciating that model, and that's that's where we're going. Yeah, you think about the value prop there. I mean, for what would probably be the cost of like six to eight physical CDs, you can access any piece of music anywhere basically for yeah. an entire year. I mean, that, that's that's pretty awesome. And plus, it's on all your devices now, too. It's not like you have to go have your CD with you, carry it around, plug it in your car dashboard or something. It's like you like you can access these services from like anything, like smart speakers, phones, tablets, computers, cars. Like It's just everywhere. So, yeah, I think that's also really reinforced the value proposition. Plus, you have less things collecting dust in your house. You know, all those old yeah. CD towers, what are you going to do with them? You know, you know not going to happen with your streaming music, Evan. Turn them into coasters. <laughs> I'm sure that there's like some hipster coffee shop where that is happening right now, Evan. Uh, another major news item for Apple is they went out and scooped up uh, another company, Evan. 
Yeah, so they bought a self-driving car startup Drive AI, which they had actually been rumored a few weeks ago to be in talks with this company. And Drive AI has been around for a few years. They re- they raised almost eighty million dollars in funding in the private private markets, and they're valued at around two hundred million dollars. Um, but uh, th- there have been reports recently that they've been really on the ropes and struggling to survive. And in fact, they were set to completely shut down literally today <laughs> and lay off ninety people. According to a, a warn notice that they had to file with the state of California, because California requires uh, notices for mass layoffs, and Apple swoops in for the rescue. Um, they didn't. No one's reported or rumored any prices or how much they paid, but certainly not, not going to be anywhere near that two hundred million dollar valuation that they got a while back. Because if they're about to shut down and they're in that bad shape, I'm sure Apple got a pretty good deal on some of the talent they're going to be picking up. Yeah, does this feel like an aqua hire type situation for you, where they're more interested in the people and the staff than um, some of the technology that they're working on? I, that's definitely going to be a big part of it. I mean, these were it was started by a bunch of Stanford graduates, so you know Apple has deep ties with Stanford, and Stanford is known for having you know being this pipeline of really strong talent. Uh, but of course, they've certainly developed some technology, uh, and I think it, it's a little weird because you know there's been so much turmoil lately in in Project Titan, which is Apple's self-driving car project, um, and like they laid off a bunch of people in a couple months ago, like 200 people back in January, I think. Um, and like because I think there have been some leadership changes because Doug Field, who used to be an Apple executive, had gone to Tesla for a few years. He left Tesla and came back, and now he's in charge, um, and he's making some changes. So I think there's some restructuring going on, but it's it's just no one's ever known what exactly they're doing. Uh, but as, I think it's also worth noting that in terms of technology, uh, they've been working on this autonomous driving technology for a long time, but a lot of it also ties in very heavily with computer vision, uh, because for these cars to be able to see things and recognize things in real time and you know be able to process it. But computer vision, Apple uses across all sorts of stuff, like photo recognition, augmented reality is going to be a big one going forward. So a lot of this technology really you know, is all kind of tied together. Yeah, I, th- I think the application for them is a little different than some of the other self-driving car companies out there. You know, I, I think some of the other efforts, um, maybe from a Tesla, um, even you know, um, maybe GM Cruise or something like that, maybe a little bit more pure play focus on the self-driving tech. It seems like just because of the vast hardware empire that Apple has, that any lessons when it's uh, you know visual recognition, machine learning type things, all those things that go into that kind of stuff uh, with self-driving would be applicable to all these other devices that they have out there. Right, and we know they're doing something because you see, I mean, people spot these Apple prototype cars out there with these lidar sensors. Um, so I mean, and like, there's also reports that they're building these like gigantic test facilities. So I mean, they're definitely doing something, and no one's ever known what it is or what it's going to look like, and we're not going to find out for anytime soon. This acquisition will reignite our interest, though. I think we'd kind of felt like this project was on ice for a little while, uh, and now we can just start speculating again. Yeah, they're definitely still pushing ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got big news on a big wig at Apple. Uh, we're going to talk about that on the back half of the show. Before we do, though. This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. When it comes to investing education, one size doesn't fit all because everyone is different. Whether you're just starting out or an elite trader, TD Ameritrade's education gives you what you need to learn on your own terms. Choose from articles, videos, webcasts, and in-person events. You'll even have access to education coaches. Everything you need to take your knowledge to the next level, start today at tdameritrade.com education member SIPC. All right. Uh, so, there has been one constant, I think, over the last two 
and a half decades or so at Apple when it comes to the look and feel of products and the people calling the shots. And and one of the the constant has been Johnny Ive. I mean, this is a name that a lot of people recognize, and and I think. He's probably one of the few product designers that people actually know. Uh, he has been a staple at Apple for a long time. He is now leaving the company, Evan. All right. So Apple dropped this massive bombshell last night that Chief Design Officer Johnny Ive, who I think a lot of people consider one of the most, if not the most famous designer in the world. Uh, so he's leaving and he's going to start an independent design company, but will retain Apple as one of its, quote, primary clients. <laughs> so you know, he's still going to collaborate with Apple's in house design team that he had. You know, helped assemble over all these years. But yeah, he's he's you know kind of starting to move out, you move you know get out the door, and you can't you really can't overstate his impact on Apple's product design over the past couple of decades, like you mentioned, and and also not just being with Apple, but across all consumer electronics, because so many of Apple's rivals blatantly rip off its or his designs, and they don't even try to hide it anymore. Like it's just a fact of life now that all these all these other products just kind of rip off Apple. Shamelessly, <laughs> yeah. We mentioned you know the amount of time he's been at the company, but I think it's worth emphasizing some of the different products that he's either worked on or really spearheaded the development and design of. Um, going back all the way to the translucent iMac, uh, now they call it the iMac G3, but it was the rounded plastic box with you know some bright color in there that uh, I think came out in the late 90s and was so different than every single other computer out there that was boxy. It was fun. It was playful. I remember my dad had one uh, when I was a kid, and I was just kind of marveling at it. That was like really one of the first things that uh, he worked on and kind of got him on the scene at Apple. And then and that, that and I mean that computer also really paved the way for their whole comeback and turnaround starting in the late '90s. So yeah, that that computer was like hugely influential. And then we have the iPod, which I think was his real first breakout product. Um, and and this is where I think we start to see a lot of the classic Johnny Ive design stuff coming into play, where you have everything super minimalist, all white design, white earbuds. Um, the thing that I think really separated this product too is like the packaging. You know, we are so used to this very intentional packaging from Apple now, where it's almost a treat to open a new product from them in a way that isn't the case for almost any other consumer electronics company. A lot of that started with the iPod line. Yeah, they have a whole team of like literally cardboard box designers <laughs> that go through <laughs> prototypes and like yeah, like they care a lot about packaging, which no one else really cares about. <laughs> And and I think those two products alone would be enough for a lot of people to be able to hang their hat on. But then you also have the iPhone, of course, um, perhaps the most successful consumer electronics device of all time. Uh, more minimalism, more round edges from their design team. You have the iPad, you have the Apple Watch. Uh, he also contributed to some of their software design efforts, and of course, he also helped design their campus. I mean, it's it's really incredible what a mark he has made on Apple, but also the consumer electronics space in general. Right. And I mean, he was widely known to have this really deep bond with Steve Jobs. And that bond is also part of why, like, <clears throat> when Steve Jobs died back in 2011, of course, it was a big deal and people were worried about it, but they weren't really worried about Apple's product design because they knew that I was still there really taking charge on the product front, particularly because Tim Cook's not, you know, self admittedly not a product guy. Uh, so having I there really help, kind of helped investors with that transition when Jobs died and Tim Cook took over. Is this something that we should have been as surprised by, Evan, as maybe we were? 
I mean, I think it is still surprising and it's massive news, but I think there's at the same time there have been clues over the past few years that he's been kind of eyeing the exit to. Uh, for example, back in 2015 when he became chief, chief design officer, he reportedly kind of stepped back from day-to-day management of the team and taking more of like a hands-off role. Uh, and this was around the same time that, as you mentioned, you know, with regards to their campus, uh, Apple starting to design their new campus, Apple Park, <clears throat> and he was focused very heavily on that project. He was working with this you know, third-party architectural firm that they hired and you know, putting all of his characteristic attention to detail over every little aspect. And I've been to Apple Park a couple times, and I think I was there last year, and even the parking humps have rounded corners because they're so obsessed with rounded corners, they even put the parking humps <laughs> they can't help themselves. <laughs> once, once you see an aesthetic, I think you can't unsee it and you just want it to be everywhere. Um, I think it's very easy to look at this departure and you know it, it's, it's, a, it's a sort of departure, right? Because he will be consulting and his firm will be working with Apple um, and worry a little bit about the product pipeline for Apple. You know, so much of the narrative about this company over the last couple of years has been um, iterative, Innovation. It hasn't really been anything that's been a step change from where they have been. You know, we've we've seen continuations of these product lines, except for the Apple Watch. That's really been the only thing they've launched that's new. Um, what do you make all that? Right. I mean, they definitely have been stretching out these design cycles even more. So, like, they've always been able to get a lot of you know mileage out of each new design. You know, but even you know they used to maybe keep a design in place for two to three years, but now they're kind of pushing it. Like, for example, the the current iMac has been the same design for seven years, and that's a crazy long time. I mean, they obviously still sell well, but. I think again, it kind of shows that like I think that he's been also expanding his interest beyond designing computers and gadgets. So he's been doing a lot of these other projects for like th- you know charities and other things like that, like rings. He designed he designed an old school Leica camera, like a desk, even a Christmas tree for some reason. So like <laughs> he, he it seems like he's like kind of getting wants to do other stuff now, which might be you know where this is coming from. And you know with Apple Park, that was also a big thing that has nothing to do with product. Uh, but you know, so yeah. Again, I think it's just kind of more signs that he's just been kind of maybe he's just kind of tired of doing the same stuff. Um, do we know exactly what the new relationship's going to look like? I know you've done a little bit more digging on this than I have. Not exactly. That's kind of why it's a little confusing. It's like it's not like a traditional exit. It's not like he's just leaving. And this whole thing of like, oh, he's going to still be. Uh, consulting or have Apple as a client, there's some skepticism because p- people think that maybe this is like some PR spin trying to minimize the impact uh, because, of course, a lot of investors and customers are worried about what's going to happen going forward. But their design pipeline is pretty long. I mean, it's four to five, they, they plan things four to five years out. <clears throat> so it's still possible that all the products we'll see over the next few years will still have his influence on them. Um, but it, it's still a little early to call, and we don't know exactly what that relationship is going to look like. And at the same time, it's also worth noting that they've had some pretty high-profile design flaws in recent years. That trash can black Mac Pro that they're you know phasing out now uh, had a lot of thermal constraints that really inhibited its expandability and performance, which really kind of makes it a terrible machine for professional users. But then, of course, we can't forget this infamous butterfly keyboards that people are still dealing with and those have been around for a few years now and like apple has not fixed them they keep trying to like fix them but i mean there, it's pretty obvious there is a design flaw there and we don't know how they're gonna if they're ever gonna, you know what they're gonna do to resolve that finally once and for all so there, there's been that's been kind of an overhang too so 
you know, I think, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, this is a huge loss, though. Yeah, the obsession with form can occasionally get in the way of function, I think, with Apple. And then those are two kind of high-profile examples of maybe that happening. Um, I mentioned the, you know, the the concerns that people have about the product pipeline and just, you know, what's that next killer product going to be? But we also talked about how they're expanding out software and making it such a big part of the business now. Um do they need that next killer product in maybe the way that they really did like 10 years ago? I mean, they're, they're so large at this point that, I mean, I just think they need, they do need to always keep on innovating to put out new things because, you know, the iPhone business is in decline, the services is ramping up, but still, you know, so tiny compared to the rest of these businesses. They do need other things to kind of to carry the weight around here. And, who knows what it'll be? I've seen some speculation that they are working on some augmented reality headset or eyewear type things. Uh, Evan, if they put something like that out, would you be a buyer? I would be interested in it. Uh, I have to admit, uh, I don't. I mean, and of course, like it all depends on, you know, for, particularly for something like eyewear, it's very subjective with like a, the aesthetics of it. So, if he if he has come out with some design that's in their pipeline. I mean, I'm really curious what it looks like if it has kind of like universal appeal, like Apple Watch. Yeah, same thing. It's like it's so personal, but Apple Watch is a hit, even though it's you know pretty, you know, pretty much the same design. Austin Morgan, our man behind the glass, would you be a buyer of augmented reality headgear of some sort from Apple? I don't know. I'm not a big glasses guy. It would have to do something really, really cool for for me to buy into it. I am a big Apple guy. I yeah. got all things Apple, but you're in the ecosystem. Oh yeah, big time. But I, I think that whole category has really suffered because of the stigma of Google Glass. I feel like that's such a hard hurdle that anything augmented reality is just going to have to get over. That's <laughs> a, it's a legacy. <laughs> Austin Morgan is just shaking his head. Yes, I think we can wrap there, Evan. Thanks for hopping on today's show. Thanks for having me. All right, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com, or you can tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you're looking for more stuff, subscribe on iTunes, or you can catch the videos from the podcast on YouTube. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass today. Let's go, U.S. Women's National Team. Get that win advance to the round of four. For Evan New, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool On! Not a whole lot. My wife uh, started a new job this week, actually, so that's that's, that's some fun. I, I just turned on Alexa accidentally. <laughs> I hope that that makes it into the final cut of the show. Austin, if you could just drop that at the end, we're going to retake that. But I think I think we should definitely include that. Evan, you want to start over? <laughs> I don't know what what did I what say? What triggered that? Anything like Alexa? Like. <laughs> <laughs>